his people to himself. When we think of Rosh Hashanah, though, we reflect. Jewish people, you, you can ask Jewish people different thoughts of Rosh Hashanah, and they'll come up with a number of things, which we'll talk about on Wednesday night. But the four things I always think of when I think of Rosh Hashanah, I think it's a time when you sound the trumpet to rejoice. We rejoice always in the victory God brings. And we see the trumpets blasting and God bringing victory and rejoicing. More on Wednesday night on that. We hear the trumpets blast, so we think of rejoice. You think of regathering. We're going to learn that. That God regathers Israel back to the land, which will be the tribulation. Gathers his body of Messiah, the right bubble, the body of Messiah, the ecclesia, the church, the body. God will gather us to himself. So you think of rejoicing, you think of regathering. Those are two words on Wednesday night. Two words that I like to deal with today that Jewish people constantly refer to on this holiday. One is repentance. This is a time when Jewish people are reflecting and repenting. And they change and they turn. The word repentance, I'll explain, is it's a good word. And we'll deal with that. They think of repentance. And the other word, when you think of Rosh Hashanah, I said regathering, no, rejoice, regathering repentance, and remembrance. These are the thoughts on Rosh Hashanah. And that's what you should be thinking about today and Wednesday night. What I'd like to do today is talk about two of those concepts that I really love at this time of the year. One of my favorite times of the year is that we can reflect and repent and remember. So, repent and remembrance is today. And so, the main thought of of those words is this. The sounding of the shofar, sounding of the shofar, which you'd sounded on Wednesday night as Rosh Hashanah begins. Uh, the first day is Thursday. You begin all Jewish holidays the night before. When the trumpet sounds, we're going to remember things, but the sounding means God remembered man and calls us to repentance. So today, those two words, if I can, for a minute, is repent and remembrance. So follow along in your outlines. First, all mankind... God constantly is called to repent. It's, well, it's not the greatest word in this world today. People don't like the word repent. Um, First of all, because the world doesn't feel they have anything to repent of. There is no sin. There is no problem. Everyone's okay. I love you. You love me. Everything's good except those believers. They're, you know, they're they're troublesome. Uh, But the word repentance is a very good word. Always has been. You don't like it. It just means change. Just means turn. Which makes sense, God thinks it's a great word, so therefore the world would think it's a horrible word. Anything God thinks is good, most of the world thinks is bad. Repentance is a good word. And all mankind is always called to repent. All people, believers, non-believers, Israel, repent is good. And because we naturally go the wrong way. And God sees that. And so God tells us all, you're going the wrong way, turn back. We stubborn Humans don't like to think we're going the wrong way. We just naturally do it. And the wise, the humble person is the one who says, I always go the wrong way. Lord, turn me back to you. That's a wise prayer. We naturally tend to go the wrong way. Uh, there, uh, Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man. There, the way is the way of death. So repentance is good. It's the message of the whole Bible. It's the message of the prophets. The prophets are always telling Israel, turn back. Uh, It's a message of Yeshua, 
He's always telling the people, turn back. It's the message I just told you a couple minutes ago. Welcome everyone to where? We're telling Israel, turn back. We're telling Israel to turn back. We're telling all non-believers, turn back to God. I'm telling you all believers, turn back to God. We have to turn too. Because believers naturally go away too. So first, fill it in if you have outlines. One, we are called to turn first to each other. Look up here for a minute. First we'll deal with repentance, then remembrance. Repentance is really going to be three things. You and I are called to repent and change toward each other. We're called to change our attitude. Our attitudes naturally humanly speaking, are bad. They're not the, good, the goodest. They're jealous. They're envious. They're, they have pro- we are called to turn to each other. We're also called to repent or turn to each other. We're also called to repent. The whole world of non-believers, the left bubble, turn back to God, except Messiah. Believers, third, are also called to turn back to God as well because we naturally go astray. So the word repent, here we go. We're called to turn to each other. Am I my brother's keeper? Everyone answer. Yeah, we are. Don't like it, but you are. I don't like that, but we are called to be our brother's keeper. We're to turn to each other. Turn to your fellow man. That's the focus. In the law, the law that God gave Moses in... uh, primarily the book of Leviticus, but when you think of the whole Pentateuch, first five books, uh, in the book of Moses, in the section in Leviticus, God made, and Exodus, God makes it very clear on his relations to man. How we are, he focuses so much on relationship with man. And really, I think God's saying, if you want to have a right relationship with God, you better check your relationships with each other. I know the believers sometimes, their attitude is, listen, I'm okay with God, but you forget about it. But you can't have a right relationship with God if you're really not. And so it's an indicator. If you're having trouble with mankind, you might be having trouble with God. Um, The law tells us, don't hate your brother. Well, that's easy for us. We don't hate our brothers. But God's saying, if you don't like him in your heart, you hate him. God is focused. He tells us, don't hate your brother. God tells us, don't steal. Why is the ten? Don't steal. Because our natural tendency we to take from others. We want to steal. We take, we don't like the word steal, but that's what we do. We do it in little different ways. God focuses stealing. It belongs to somebody else. Here's the real picture. God gave it to someone else. If you take it from them, you're taking from God. God focuses in those ten commandments. Don't steal. Don't covet. That's what we do. We covet. I've said many times. We don't like if. I don't have it, you can't have it. But we're worse. I have it, you still can't have it. We covet. We see people getting blessed. They don't deserve that. The ones who deserve to be blessed is me, not somebody else. We covet what others have. And God says, really, it takes work sometimes. When someone else gets blessed, another fellow believer, even those you don't like, they get blessed with money or a house or a car, force yourself thank you, God. I don't mean it, but thank you anyway. But you, you should be thanking God. Don't covet what someone else, what God chooses to give. God sees your heart. That's the law. Don't murder. Well, that's an easy one. But God says, if you hate him in your heart, you're murdering him. Don't even hate your brother. Don't bear false witness. Don't lie or talk about someone. Believers, we, we cover it over. You know, we, we don't talk about people. We pray for them. Anyway, um, don't be jealous of what they have. 
because God gives it to him. You should be love your neighbor. How many times Peter said, "Should I forgive my neighbor?" Lord, seven. I'm pretty good. Lord says, "No, seventy times seven. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving." Um, look at our heart, our spirit, our attitude that Yeshua says we should have. John thirteen. John 13, he says, a new commandment I give you. It was a little different because Yeshua said you could uh, love some and hate your enemy, but uh, not Yeshua in the law. But here he says it's not really meant to be that way. It should be a new commandment I give you that you should love one another even as I have loved you. This is our real spirit. And we don't. And we don't. God calls us to repent. I don't love my brother. Best thing, believers, admit when we don't do right, when we're thinking evil, when we feel bad, when we don't feel right, we say, Lord, it's wrong. Help my attitude. Anyway, Yeshua says, new commandment I give you, love one another even as I've loved you. By this, all men will know you are followers of God. You'll be different if you love others. Uh, That's what Yeshua says. Rabbi Saul says it this way, Galatians, brethren, if someone's caught in a sin, a trespass, you who are godly and spiritual, what you should be doing is restore such a one. They're caught in sin. Don't be happy when your uh, bad things happen to your neighbor. You restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Each one look into yourself so that you won't be tempted. Bear each other's burdens. We should think of other ones. This fulfills the law of Messiah. Um, Repent, forgive, be reconciled to your brother. Galatians 6, 9. The rabbi continues to say, uh, Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary. So then we are to have, while we have opportunity, do good to everybody, especially believers. Especially, look to do good to believers. Don't just be happy, God has blessed you, you're good, and everyone else, tough, sorry, bad break for them. No, we look to bear each other's burdens. Paul goes on, book of Romans is really great. When he does, Romans is laid out so, so perfect the way Paul does this in book of Romans. He's really giving you the life of a believer. He starts off in chapter 1 saying the pagans are lost. Then he says in chapter 2 and 3, he says the Gentiles, they're lost. Then in 2 and 3, he goes on, Jews, you're no better. Jewish people, you're lost. Everyone's lost. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. Then chapter 3, 4, and 5, he says, okay, I'll give you the solution. Here's how you get saved. He says, by putting your trust in Messiah, uh, being justified, declared right by God, being, by God's grace, through the redemption which is in Messiah Yeshua. That's how we get saved. So chapter, Paul says, you're lost. 3, 4, and 5, how you get saved. 5 and 6, he gives you the benefits of salvation. You have peace with God. You're justified with God. You're identified with the Messiah. Chapter 7, he says, we struggle. It's normal to struggle. I got the spirit living in me telling me what to do, and I don't want to do it, and I try. But chapter 8, you're safe. You're secure. Even if you do wrong, there's no condemnation. You're forgiven. Chapter 9, 10, 11. Let me give you an illustration, Paul says. The way God loves and cares for Israel. Chapter 9, Israel forsook God. Chapter 10, God is still saving the Jewish people today. Chapter 11, he will be faithful with Israel to the end. That's the message to believers. Paul gives that great illustration, theology of Israel, how he's faithful to Israel and will be faithful to you. That's a problem with covenant people, covenant theology, that they say when God is finished with Israel, my question is, if God's finished with Israel, who he loved, who he did everything for, then what makes you think you're so safe? Anyway, so Paul lays it all out. Then chapter 12, he says, therefore, since God has been so good and he saved you, 
He says, therefore, I urge you, present your body to God. Now that you're a believer and you're safe and you're secure, now present yourself to God to live for him. 1 through 11, what God's done for you. 12, now God says, live for him. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed. And then what he says is, now that you're changed, let me tell you how you act toward each other. That's what he's doing in the book of Romans. And so I had to give that background quick. And he says, chapter 12, just a quick couple verses, be devoted to each other in brotherly love. The way brothers stick together. A lot of stories about how brothers have stuck to Prefer each other and give preference to each other and honor. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Never pay back evil to anyone. That's, that's just in our nature. Someone does us evil, we'll get back. Anyway, let God deal with that. Respect what's the right in the sight of all men. Romans chapter, it goes on. He goes, if possible, so far as it depends on you, if you can, live at peace with everybody. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Everything I read here about my fellow man goes against my grain. And I have to work at it. And I have to pray about it. Chapter 14, he says, verse 13, don't judge each other. Determine this. Don't put an obstacle in front of anybody in any brother's way. 15, now that we're strong, we are strong, bear the weaknesses of other brothers. Other people are weak, bear their weaknesses. Each of us uh, should please his neighbor for his own good to his edification. And finally, Romans 15, he goes, now the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Messiah. He's really telling us to be patient and persevere and encourage other fellow believers. Verse 7, therefore, accept one another just as the Messiah has accepted you. These are hard because we are called to turn back to our fellow man. It's easy to turn back with those you like and those you click with. It's hard when you say, I don't click with this one. When you don't click with someone and you have trouble with someone, therefore, pray more for them. Talk to them. Ask how they're doing. I don't want to do it anyway because that's what God wants you to do. I often said, or someone said, act contrary to your feelings. Or they used to say this, be a hypocrite to your feelings. You don't like how you feel. Be a hypocrite. Change it. But I don't feel I do it anyway. Let God work on your heart. That's what he said. This is man turning back to man. Um, I have no idea where I am. Good. All right. Uh, Here's how we repent. Yeshua tells us. Matthew. I think it's Matthew. Matthew. Good. No. Matthew. Good. Here we go. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar. I love this verse. If therefore you're praying. You're having a good time in fellowship with God. You're waking up in the morning. You're praying. You feel really good. God's speaking to you. You're speaking to him. Everything's good. He's blessed you. Oh, Lord, you're so good. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I remember your faithfulness. If you're praying and having a good time with the Lord, ah, then it says, and there you remember your brother has something against you. He has something against you. He says, this is hard. You remember your brother. Leave your Stop. Stop praising the Lord. Stop praying. Stop fellowship with him. Go to your brother and make it right. Repentance is good. That's where it really almost begins. Somewhere else it begins, but it's close. Leave your offering at the altar. Then go to your brother and say, I was wrong. Forgive me. Don't say I was wrong, but you know what you did too? 
because most likely they won't say what they did wrong. That's not up to you. As far as it depends on you, live at peace. You go to your brother, and you, then after you do that, it says, come, then go to God. Now, I know, when I, these verses especially, I know doing ministry now since 1972, that's a couple years, uh, yeah, 45. I know when I was in Brooklyn, there were people who didn't like me for no cause and for definitely for a cause. I had trouble with some people in Brooklyn. Then I moved to, where we go from Brooklyn? Uh, Dallas, uh, New York, Brooklyn, New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey, I offended everyone. Um, unfairly so. They didn't think that it shouldn't have been. But some, truly, I offended. And then I came to California. And you know what I did there? I offended people. I find everywhere I go, I offend people. Most of the times, it's because who I am. Not because it's unfair. But it's, and I have to face that. The question is, when I do, what do I do about it? And that's the hard part. That's right. And I've been challenged by many people. And I try many, many times to make things right with the people. Uh, even if they've hurt me, I have to look for myself. Look what it says in the Proverbs. If you've been snared with the words of your mouth, you've been caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son. Deliver yourself. I like it. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go and humble yourself. Now, I know in Brooklyn, when I've offended one specific person I think about, when I offended him in Brooklyn, rightly so. I don't need to go into details because you won't be happy with me. But anyway, I truly offended him. And afterwards, years, I realized how I could win him back. And I know I can win people back. And I have. But it takes a lot of work. A lot of humbling. It does not just say, I'm sorry, take me or leave me. It really causes you to, I'm sorry, repentance. And again, later on, it takes a lot of work. Now, that person in Jersey, that I, in Brooklyn, that I offended, since then, I've hired him. He's one of my workers. He's worked in San Diego, and now we're good friends. But it was a long time in coming. And I know after that, uh, in New Jersey, same thing. I get a call from Michael Radonik, and he said, you know, you offended so-and-so. He said, it's going to be hard to win him back. And I went, all right, I like a challenge. And so I went after that person. And I apologized. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, I, and then I had to go again, and again, and again. And now, Francis, I don't know if it's on Facebook, he's always emailing, and he always tells everyone how much he loves me. It's amazing. I truly offended this person. I got to California. And again, I offended some people. And I got challenged by Paul Lieberman. He says, why don't you, he says, call that person and make things right. I didn't talk to that person for 10 years. So I called him, hello, what do you want? <laughs> Can we meet? Well, no, it's real hard. I don't have time. I said, well, I'll meet whenever you do have time. Well, okay, after the first of the year. And then I caught it after the first of the year. Wow, not, but that, good friends today. It took a lot of work, a lot of humbling to, to do that. Then he, that guy I became friends with, he says, how about this one? You offended this one. He says, why don't you call him? I said, he doesn't want to hear from me. And he said, so what? So I called. Yeah? What do you want? And I kind of hung up and said, I tried, but you got to keep doing it. 
Then there was another guy in L.A., another guy in L.A. We didn't just not speak. We spoke against each other all the time. We always had something to say. I had something about him. He had something about me. And so another friend of mine called me, why don't you make things right with him? And it clicked. I said, okay, maybe I can. So I called him. We met. We talked. And now he's my good friend. And you know what he says about me because he's always speaking here. Stuart Dowerman. We didn't speak for years. We only said bad about each other. If it's possible, folks, you make things right with one another. Let me move on. Okay. Repent toward man. Now, the world's two bubbles, right? The believers, left. <laughs> That's political. Anyway, the left bubble here, the left bubble here, all needs to repent and turn back to God. That's what they're called to do. You see, the word repentance is great, and Rosh Hashanah is the time we think of repentance toward each other. If you don't have the right attitude, you don't like what they did to you, believe me, you probably did something to them. Anyway, now also, B, we should turn to God. Who? I'm telling you, this one is only for the non-believers. I didn't deal with the believers. Only the non-believers. The whole world needs to turn back to God. And that's almost always my message. I remember a couple years ago at Messiah Conference, they said, meet up with this Israeli guy. He's not a believer. My message is almost always the same. You need to turn back to God. Now, you, you, you do it in different ways, I have to say. You have to admit that God, you're a sinner and God sent Messiah to die for you. You need to turn back to God. Uh, I go to my eye doctor. I just healed my eyes. God healed them. He used the doctor. But I went to him. I said, the message, you have to turn back to God. It's always that. That's the message that we have. And the only way to turn back to God is through Yeshua, the Messiah. But you got to say it in a loving way, in a tactful way. Um, I told you last week or two weeks ago that Fran and I were in London and we're in the concierge section. They upgraded me. They put us in a nice section where we had breakfast and we had hors d'oeuvres for dinner. And it was a real nice section there. And I'm talking to his wife. And this other Jewish guy comes over from L.A. He said, oh, I heard you talking here and here. I said, oh, oh, you're, you're he's Jewish. Yeah, I said, great. I said, so you believe in Yeshua, Jesus? Huh? What are you talking about? So I, I enjoy that when that happens. Anyway, so I had to tell him. You turn back. The people in the left bubble, don't try to tell them they need to be speaking in tongues. <laughs> don't try to tell them they need to believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. They will think you're crazy. Don't even talk about the rapture that's beyond the belief of them. Yeah, don't tell them you're, that, they need, that your rabbi says you got to read and pray every day. They, they're not, what you need to tell them is that God loves them, sent the Messiah, and they need to put their trust in him. Except that he died for your sin. You know the word? K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. Good. That's what you have to do. Your message. Put away your hobbies. You're telling them to turn back to God. Only through Yeshua, the Messiah. Um, that's what we do. Uh, the whole world, we're to, to turn back to God. That's God's message to Israel. That's always been the message. The world needs to turn back to God. I love the Psalm 107. I, wanna, I, I say this psalm to show you God's response when you turn back to him. You know, many times I confess my sins to the Lord, and, and, I, and I almost feel like I'm taking advantage of the Lord because he forgives me. And, and I, I almost feel like he's saying, of course I forgive. Don't do it again. Anyway, so I do it again, and I confess it, and the Lord says, I don't, don't do it again. 
And I always feel, how long is he going to keep saying, don't do it again? Anyone? He goes on and on, as long as he knows my heart. To Israel, he said the same thing. He says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 107 sort of gives the, Psalm 106, 7, 8, gives the history of Israel. 5, 6, 7, and 8. Gives you, it's their great Psalms reflect, showing Israel's history. In, verse, in Psalm 107, let the redeemed, the believers of the Lord say so, whom he's redeemed. And he's gathered you from the lands from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Psalm 107.4. The Jewish people, they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. He's given the history. They didn't find a way to the inhabited land. They were hungry, thirsty. They fainted within them. In the wilderness, God had punished them. And they're they're, uh, turning away from God. In their pain, they cried out to the Lord. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Everyone read the next part. That's what he does. When you repent, God turns and delivers you. He knows your heart. Psalm 107. Because they rebelled, that same psalm, a couple verses later. Actually, six, a couple verses later. Because they rebelled against the words of God, they spurned the counsel of God. God humbled them with labor. They stumbled. There was none to help them. What did they do, everyone? Cried out to the Lord. And the Lord punished them anyway because they were no good. He saved them out of their distress. That's what God does. Now, if you do wrong, you go, hey, Lord, forgive me. Uh, yeah, he doesn't even hear that prayer. He knows your heart. But I love, here, as soon as he hears your heart, believers, no matter what you've done, he forgives. He restores you. But these are not believers. These are the non-believers I'm talking about. Then he goes on. Fools, they turned right away. Their rebellious way, and because of their iniquity, were afflicted. What did they do, everyone? Verse 19. No, yeah, everyone. And that's what he does. Cried out to the Lord, he saved them. He sent his word and healed them. Delivered them from their destructions. Then let them give thanks for his loving kindness and his wonders to the sons of men. Then he concludes the psalm. What's it say? The upright see it. They're glad. All unrighteousness shuts its mouth. I realize now who is wise. You're either wise or you're not. The wise person says, Lord, I'm wrong. Please help. The unwise covers over a sin. I've done nothing more than anyone else has done. They're worse to me. God understands. No. He focuses on you. We are one to turn to each other. Two, the whole world is turned back to God. Who is wise? Let him think about these things. Consider the kindness of the Lord. Turn back to God. Some of my favorite two verses here, Ezekiel, God's Israel, 33. God's saying, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked suffering? Not at all. Rather that he turn from his ways and live. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, change, turn, repent, and live. January 15, 1972, unsaved Larry turned to God, said, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, died for me. I now want to receive him. That's what we need to do. We need to turn back to God. And he delivers them. Ezekiel 33, to Israel, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in anyone being separated from me, suffering, and the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked man turn from his way and live, turn back, turn back, why will you die, O house of Israel? Then the great section that Yeshua teaches us in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, got it right, 
And Yeshua was saying to them, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Live for me. Do what I say. Take my yoke, which many believers think is too much for us to bear, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. Therefore, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He goes on, so many verses, but chapter 7, John, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, he said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. World, turn back to God. John 6, I'm the bread of life. Are you hungry? Turn back to me. You are thirsty, turn. This is the left bubble. John 6, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Now, that's, that's an encouraging word, you know? This people, left bubble, non-believers, any one of you who turns to God, believes in the Son, receives him on the last day. We can tell you when that is, but it's not important. Whenever it is, he will raise you up on the last day. Isn't that nice? Isn't that encouraging? He will raise us up to be with him forever. I've been real bad, Lord. Turn to him. Messiah has died for your sins. He will raise you up to enjoy him forever. It's, it's just, it's great. Truly, truly, I say to you, he believes, has eternal life. And the famous words that we could all quote, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have every, everlasting eternal life. The Lord didn't send the son into the world to judge the world, but that they might be saved. Turn to him, all the ends of the earth, and be saved. He who does not believe is he who believes is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. What does a non- non-believing person have to do to be judged and go to hell? I'm going to tell you right now. Got it? Right. The only way you can get out of judgment and not be away from God is to do something by accepting Messiah. He who believes... He does not believe, whoever does not believe in the name of the Son of God. All mankind needs to repent, finally repent. Believers, we are called to turn back to God. See, believers, we are called to turn back to God. The normal, normal pattern, I don't know so much today, when I first became a believer in 72, the normal pattern for most believers, I think, I'm guessing here, but I think this, most pattern, most believers accept the Lord, get excited, follow the Lord, read a little bit, go to a congregation, start witnessing, and then they fall away. And then 10, 20, 30 years later, you know, I once was a believer like that. They turn away from God. And God tells us when you catch yourself backsliding and falling, quickly turn. No, no, he's not happy with me. Turn, his arms are reached out. You know, we know the, the prodigal, the story of the prodigal. That's the, the attitude God has. But when he came to a sense as the prodigal son, you know the story, two sons. The one son says, give me my money now, dad. I don't want to wait till you die. I want my money now. So the father gives him his share. He goes out, spends it on loose living, and he lives like the devil. And finally, he loses all his money, all his inheritance. And he's with pigs. And he's longing for the food that the pigs have, the pods. And he, and he can't have food. His life is a mess. He's going to die. He comes to his senses. He goes, listen, I know my dad won't accept me, but maybe if I humble myself enough and say, can you make me like a slave? Because the slaves in my father's house are better than anyone else. 
So he goes back. That's the prodigal. Here it is. And he, when he comes to his senses, he says, my father, he says, how many of my father's hired hands have enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. I know what I'll do. I'll go, up and go to my father. We'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy for anything. That's real humbling. I'm not worthy to be your son. Can you make me like your servant, your slave? I don't care what you do. He'll have something. So he got his, uh, came up, came to his father while he was still far off. I love this. While he was still far, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran to embrace him. The idea is that this son in the pits, in the mud with the pigs, says, I'm going back to my dad. And he starts stretching back to his father. And from a distance, I don't know, you know, where, all of a sudden he turns and he sees his father like this. Looking. When will he come back? That's our father. God wants to accept believers. Even if you've gone astray. But he wants you to Admit and turn. And the son says, And Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. God looks for us, for believers, to admit and turn back to him. And God restores your fellowship. King David said the same thing. Now, I'm not going to get into all the things about King David. People say, how could he be a man after God's own heart? Committed murder. First committed adultery. Then killed the guy or her husband. David did a horrible thing. Deserved to die. God, in his mercy and grace, spared his life. Uh, David struggled the rest of his life because of that. But David turns back to God in the famous Psalm, uh, first Psalm, Psalm 32 and 51. David says, I acknowledge my sin to you. That's what we need to do. Acknowledge our wrong. And my iniquity, I won't hide. I confessed my sin. Psalm 51, that goes with Psalm 32. David says, please wash me from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I know my sin. I know my transgressions. My sin is always in front of me. I can't get rid of it. It's so bad. Sin is ever purifying me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me. I'll be whiter than snow. Create me a new heart, O God. And renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with will. David says, I'm so bad. Can you cleanse me from it? Then after you cleanse me, look what he says he can do. Then I will still teach transgressors. Even when you've done so horrible, you confess it, God will still use you. He will glorify you. Uh, he will glorify his name through you. I will teach transgressors your ways. Joshua tells Israel, the nation of Israel. Then Joshua gathers the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Picture here is jo- Moses died. Joshua brings him in the land. Joshua was with him for a certain amount of time. Joshua's about to die. He gathers all of Israel together in a town called Shechem. He gives them a final message. Joshua is saying to Israel, I'm going to die. He says, but I want to leave you with one final parting message. The end of Joshua. He gathers them all together, gathers the elders, the heads, the judges of their tribes, presents himself before God. Joshua says to the people, now therefore, fear God, serve him in sincerity and truth, Put away the gods, the false idols, which your father served beyond the river. Abraham, his father, Terah, they worshiped idols. He said, uh, which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose today. Choose today whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods which your father served beyond the river, whether the gods of the Amorites, the pagans in the land, whose land you're now living. But as for me, 
I'll turn back to God. I'm going to serve God. I, in my life as a believer, back in 1972, 3 and 4, as a baby believer, I saw the believers, I saw how many were living, and I said, Lord, I don't want to say this arrogantly, can I be different? I don't want to backslide like everybody else. Can you put your hand on me and make me different, even from believers? I want to be your person. That's what God wants us to do, to turn back to him. And uh, uh, that's what he's saying. Choose today whom you'll serve with the gods. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 1 John 1.9. If we confess, if we admit, if we tell God and agree with him, I've done wrong. God, I'll paraphrase, God is faithful to restore you. There's nothing that you've done. I could go a lot of illustrations for all of us and me included. If you admit it, Lord, can we start over? He always wants to start over. He gave Jonah a second chance. He gives us all second, third, fourth. I love preaching Jonah, especially in Israel, in Tel Aviv. God is the God of second and third and fourth chance. If we confess it, we are to, to repent. We to repent first to each other. I'm wrong. Second, non-believers. You're called to repent to God and accept Messiah, his solution. Believers, you and I are called to repent. Turn back to God, admit we're wrong, and God will restore you. The time of Rosh Hashanah is a time to repent and reflect. I know, as I'll say on Wednesday night, our people do it for only 10 days. We need to do it every day. Repent. Second word today, very briefly I can do this, God remembers all mankind. When you think of these two words, repent and remembrance. I love remembrance. Everyone look here. Two, two things on remembrance for Rosh Hashanah. We are to remember God. Second, you are to re- know that God remembered us. That's God's message also in the Bible. Remembrance. We are to remember God. I believe this is the key to spiritual growth. Remembering God. Remembering what he's done for us. Don't forget, remember, um, this is what God has always told us to do. He warns Israel. Deuteronomy 4. Context always. Moses has delivered the Jewish people out of Egypt, brought them to, if this is Israel, this would be, actually, reverse it for you. Anyway, this would be the Jordan River. This is the land of Jordan today. In the ancient times, it was the land of Edom, Moab, and the sons of Ammon, all that. Joshua and Moses takes the Jewish people down and around, up on the Jordan, uh, other side of the Jordan. And Moses is going to die, and Joshua is going to take him in. And Moses, the book of Deuteronomy, preaches three messages before he dies. And Moses basically says to Israel, Remember what God has done for you. Never forget. Rehearse the goodness of God. Every morning, remember what he's done for you. It's incredible when we think of the good. Don't focus on your deprivation and what you don't have. Focus on what God has done for you. Don't focus on what God has done and bless somebody else. Focus on what he's done for you. That's the key. And so he tells us to remember, Moses did, only give heed to yourself, keep your soul diligent so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart 
from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. God did this for me. Tell your children, God did this for me. Tell your grandchildren, God, I have that opportunity. Blessed. One of the few times in life that I've had it, not everyone does, but my whole life, well, actually 20 short years, I was able to tell my children what God did for me. Even in the midst of tragedy, I tell them what God has done for me. Now, I happen to have the chance to tell my two boys, my grandsons, almost every day, what God has done for me. And then when I meet up with my three granddaughters, I can tell them what God has done for me. That is good to rehearse the goodness of God. Always remember how God defeated your enemies and has blessed your life. Deuteronomy 6.12. Then watch yourself. Don't forget uh, the land... Uh, And that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. I love this specific verse. Don't forget where you've come from, what God has done for you. My favorite scene in the Bible is Jacob. Two scenes. Before he left, when he left Israel and he was going to Haran, and he's left because his brother Esau was chasing him. He laid under on the, the, the dirt and the rocks. And he was going away. And he says, Lord, will you protect me and bring me back? Jacob went with nothing but the fear of Esau trying to kill him. He had nothing alone with a stone under his head. He went to Haran. He was there for 20 years. At the end of 20 years, he came back to the same spot. Crossed the Jabbok River. Came to that same spot. And he says, Lord, 20 years ago I left. I had nothing. For me, I had a pair of ripped white and orange hippie shorts. I had a white t-shirt and moccasins. That's how I left Philadelphia. Jacob came back and he says, God, you've made me, I don't know if he says two or four companies, four wives, 70 grandchildren, wealth beyond belief. I had nothing, and you brought me back. We are called to remember what God has done for us. Don't think what he hasn't done. Remember what God has done for you. I left Philly like that, and God since then has blessed my life. That's what he does for his children. He wants to do it for us. He warns them, beware, verse uh, 811, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and doing his ordinances, by not obeying his commandments today. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget. Don't forget. Wake up every morning and thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Not what he hasn't done for what he's done for you. Don't forget, obey. Deuteronomy uh, verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 19. It shall come about, if you do forget the Lord your God, if you do serve other gods, if you do go the ways of the world, you worship, I testify uh, against you today that you will surely perish. It'll destroy your life. Believers, it doesn't mean you go to hell. It means you'll suffer misery now. Don't forget. God has so much to offer believers, so much to offer us if we walk with him. Most believers are afraid. They're afraid to say, Lord, your will be done. But he wants to shower and bless his children. Deuteronomy 7, 18. You shall not be afraid uh, of them. You, sh- w- um, you shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Remember that. The great, great picture 
in the, whether it's in the movie, Ten Commandments, or with these, fake, these horrible remakes, whatever it is, it's so cool to watch God bring the Jewish people through the sea, get them up to the other side, and it looks pretty gruesome, but as he has the water cover the enemies of the Lord. Don't forget, I love going, one of my, I mean, we all have favorite books of the Bible. One of my favorite exercises when I'm going through the Bible, whenever I get to the Psalms. You know how many times it says in the Psalms, he delivered me from my enemies. God gave me the victory. When I read those Psalms, I feel so special. I really do. I feel like saying, God is for me. And I feel like saying, thank you. And he says, just keep walking with me. Keep serving me. Otherwise, I will deal with you because I love you. But he is for us, to deliver us as we serve him. And so God says, you shall remember all the way, Deuteronomy 8, 2, you're good. Remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he, he humbled you. He wants us humbled, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you could keep the commandments of God. He delivered you from scorpions and snakes, gave you bread and food and water and meat and clothes and shoes. Your feet didn't even wear out. I wonder, I wake up now, we wake up in the morning and we go, I am tired. Anyone ever say that? I know you do, because not you younger people, but you know, we're tired. It's a long haul. So eat well, exercise, and you'll feel a little better. But it's a long haul. We get tired. Why am I saying that? I forgot. Oh, yeah, because they were not tired. Their feet didn't swell. I can't imagine. I remember once when I was in ninth grade jumping out of bed in the morning. I see my grandkids do it. I can't do it. Not now. Now. (laughs) Anyway, it's a a, remember what God has done for you. And the last thing in remembrance, I'm sorry, we remember God and his blessings. The last thing, the message of this uh, season. God remembered mankind. God remembered all of us. Where do we remember? Yeah. God remembered all of us. Don't go to Gen- not No, no, don't go. Good, good. I summarize here. Adam sinned. Eve sinned. The end of chapter 3 of Genesis, God remembered Adam. God remembered Adam. Jonah sins. Jonah swallowed by a big fish. God remembered Jonah. I have a couple others he remembered here. Hold on. Oh, here's a good one. Nineveh, Nineveh was like Nazi Germany. God gave him a shot. Sent Jonah. He didn't want to go. You know what it says? God remembered Nineveh. You see, God's love can reach anyone who's willing to humble, repent, and turn back to God. God remembered Nineveh. God remembers us. Jewish people, 586 BCE, actually 605, 597, 586, Jewish captivity. They turned away from God. God sent Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. They destroyed the land, destroyed the temple, destroyed the people, took a few of them, took them captive, brought them into Babylon. They were there for 70 years. At the end of 70 years, God brings them back to the land of Israel. No temple, everything's destroyed, nothing. 
And God sends a prophet by the name of Jeremiah's before. God sends a prophet by the name of Zechariah. Does anyone know what Zechariah's name means? Ken? Anyone know what Zechariah means? God remembers. They came back to the land of Israel. God has not forsaken you. As bad as you were, God remembered you. God sends a flood on the earth, destroys the earth. Everything's gone. The waters rise. Everything's destroyed in the earth. And then you see one little floating ark. A lot of animals and things. And about eight people. Three, six, eight people on there. And you know what it says? When the whole earth is destroyed. Genesis 8.1. Read it. God remembers. You see, we're called to remember God, but he remembers us. We don't have to do Genesis 22, but I'll summarize Genesis 22 for you because we're going to do it next Saturday. God remembered Abraham. The story of Isaac. God says, you don't have to kill Isaac. I'll provide. God remembers us. God remembered the world and one of the greatest passages that we should always read. He remembered all of us, Isaiah 53. He, Messiah, was despised. He was forsaken of men. Man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like from one who men hide their face. He was despised. We didn't esteem him. Surely our griefs he bore. Our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him, the Messiah, stricken, smitten of God. But he was pierced through. Look, look up here. God remember mankind. And he says they're lost. God sent his son who would be pierced through for our sins, crushed for our iniquities, chastening our well-being fell upon him. By his scourging we're healed. All of us are like sheep. Forgive me. Stupid, dumb sheep. That's what you are. Pretty hard for us. Me too. We are stupid, dumb sheep. We go this way. We go that way. We go every wrong way. God knows. We're all like sheep. We go our own way. But God has caused all of our sin to fall on Messiah because God remembers you. And he's going to send the Messiah to restore all things. And verse 8, all of us are like sheep have gone astray. Everyone's turned to his own way. God has caused all of our sin to fall on him. But God was pleased to crush the Messiah, putting him to grief. If he would render himself a guilt offering, which he did, he would see his offspring, followers of Yeshua. He would prolong his days, resurrection. The good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. God remembered us. Two things today, repentance and remembrance. Look, Numbers 10. Also in the day of your gladness, that's your holidays, in your appointed feasts and festivals, On the first day of the month, every month, January 1st, February 1st, or the Hebrew months, you'd see someone on the top of the temple, rejoice. First of every month, every Jewish holiday, Wednesday night. And you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings, sacrifices, peace offerings, and they shall be a reminder of you before the Lord. I'm Lord your God. God says, sound the trumpet. Call out to God. Would you please remember us? Let me tell you, he did. He does. God remembered. 
That's remembrance. Repentance. I love the verses in Joel. Blow a trumpet in Zion, folks. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. The day the Lord is coming, surely it is near. Yet even now declares, return, repent, turn back to me. With all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, render your heart, rip your heart, humble, humble yourselves. Uh, uh, Render your heart and not your garments, rip your heart, not fake repentance. Now return to the Lord for he's gracious and compassionate, uh, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Who knows whether God will not turn? I do. He will turn. The prophet saying, who will? He does. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering, drink offering for the Lord. Joel 2. Blow that trumpet in Zion. Cast a consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and all the nursing infants. Two words today. Repent, turn back to God. First, all of us, find who you need to repent. Even if it's hard and you don't want to. Second, if you're a non-believer today, turn back to God. He sent Messiah for you. If you're a believer, you've done wrong. I know it. We all do. Time to turn back to God. Remember. Remember what God's done for you. And two, remember that God, you are supposed to remember, not forget, but God has remembered us. Sound the shofar. Sounding of the shofar in Rosh Hashanah means God remembered us. And God has called us to repentance. That's what we're called to do. And I always, at this time of the year, I think about one of the greatest preachers in the Messianic movement who a couple years ago, some of you know Jan Moskowitz. Jan was one of the best preachers in the whole Messianic movement. I had asked Jan to come and speak to us. He was going to come and speak. He had never come. And he was on the steps of New York City in the subway. He slipped, my exact age. Slept, hit his head, gone. You just don't know when. The Jewish people said, what must we do to do the works of God? Yeshua says, this is the work. Believe on me whom God has sent. But as many as believe on him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Today, the sounding of the shofar, two things. Repentance and remembrance. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this great season, fun, fun season of Rosh Hashanah, that we can rejoice, that we can remember, that we can repent, that we could think about the regathering of our people, as you will do, as you've been doing and you will do officially at some point in the future. We thank you for the season, Lord. Prepare us for Wednesday night, the season of joy and happiness. Thank you again. We pray right now. I don't want to be remiss. Any of those today, I want to give you an opportunity. I don't do this too often. But there might be someone here today who's never accepted Yeshua. You don't know what to do. It's simply, and you mean this from your heart, God, I've sinned against you. I want to turn back to you. I believe Yeshua the Messiah died for my sin. I'd like to now receive him into my heart and into my life. 
I put my trust in him. And for all of us who are believers, Lord, we've done wrong. May we turn back to you now as well. We commit this time to you and thank you for it. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.